0: I've always told my kids, and I tell this to teach, this is my teaching philosophy, that you need to be firm, fair, and fun. Um, because it, you, you, at the end of the day, your job is to teach the kids. It's not for them to, to love you. I, I want my students, when they leave me at the end of the year, they might say, she's not my favourite teacher, but boy, I learned a lot.
1: That was today's guest, teacher, author, and education consultant, Sally Williams. And you're listening to episode number 19 of the Teacher's Guide podcast.
0: Gentlemen, what are the four pillars? Now you all remember how scary your first days at school were. You done messed up, eh,
1: Ron! Hello and welcome to the Teacher's Guide podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. My name is Zach Woodward. I'm a primary school teacher from Brisbane, Australia, and I will be your host each week. The aim of this podcast is to provide information and experiences that will help all teachers to thrive in their role, particularly aimed at beginner teachers and those who are aspiring to one day join the teaching profession. We like each episode to be short and to the point, so let's get into it. The four-year uni degree that most of us studied to become a teacher did a very good job of preparing us for the theoretical knowledge that we needed to have as teachers, We learnt about pedagogy and child psychology and other important aspects of the teaching job. However, there are some things that we weren't quite prepared for. And today's guest, Sally Williams, has written two books titled, What Uni Should Have Taught You. One is about behavior management and the other one is about the first few weeks as a teacher. And so, Sally And I had a really good chat about just five aspects of teaching that weren't quite covered at uni, that that it is important for teachers to know. And we had a bit of a chat about her book and how her resources can help teachers. We started off our conversation by talking about setting up our classrooms so that they are the best possible learning environment for our students.
0: Well, I think there's so many things that we didn't get prepared for. Mm. I was really naive thinking starting university I was 17 and I thought oh they'll have a mock-up classroom in the uni Mm. and it'll be like the police academy and we'll be given hypotheticals and maybe there'll be child actors come in and you know and we'll have to they'll throw chairs at me and I'll have to say what you know what I do in that situation Mm. and so it wasn't until I went on placement that I got my first you know insight into into the classroom and I really felt that university didn't prepare us enough for how to set up a classroom, how to create a learning environment yep. because for me that's so important. I, I, I'm someone who needs a lot of structure. Mm. I like a calm classroom. But to have not have been introduced to that at all yeah. at university when we know that the space where the kids learn is so important, you Definitely. know, from things like where do they congregate all together? are you at mm. the tables are you on the floor? What is best practice what's what should you set up for junior kids how should you have it set up for senior kids yeah. and you know I just really found that was lacking
1: yeah
0: did you find a similar uh, def-
1: I've definitely found that yeah and even uh, where to hang things on the walls um, yeah is is, is students sitting in groups better and is students sitting in rows better and yeah. another interesting thing I found out that um, it's one thing to set up the room in a particular way. So, for example, in groups of three, but then am I teaching in a way that allows groups of three to work better than they would if they were in rows? So, how we set up the room also needs to dictate the way that we teach. And so, little things like that, yeah, I felt very unprepared
0: it makes such a difference to Mm. your day-to-day. And a lot of kids really thrive learning in groups. And we know a lot of kids thrive working by themselves. So, to have learned that at uni that... Hey, you know, I might have some groups sort of set up, and then I might have some areas where kids can work by themselves because that's where they'll flourish. Is a really important takeaway that mm. I think could have been spoken about yeah. a lot more yep. instead of waiting until we went on prac,
1: yeah. you know? Yeah, definitely. To,
0: to, to find out for ourselves and find out, you know, on, mm. yeah, fall on our feet, I guess.
1: Yeah. So for the yeah. prac teachers listening, I, I think it'd be important to tonight that when they're out there on prac, to take notes on what they see around the classroom. Right. Yeah. Totally,
0: and and what you think will work for you, yep. how you think you'll teach best in 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 that learning environment. I think we can get caught up in when I first started, all I wanted to do, when I thought about teaching, I wanted to set up my classroom. Like I was mm. just desperate to make everything look pretty, everything look gorgeous. I was going to have an art area. I was going to have a this, I was going to have a that, but you learn pretty quickly. And I guess you can only learn on the job. It's one of those mm. things in uni's defense that they they can't teach you that because it's going to be your own experience, what's going to work for you. Yeah. But to have had some bit of information yeah. about how to about doing that would have been helpful I definitely
1: think. definitely and at the time of recording this it's about two weeks out from term one starting mm-hmm. and my instagram page is filled with uh videos of first year teachers at kmart and at Edsco just spending hundreds of dollars, and I just and want to yeah. say, stop, stop! Just yeah. print, just use use the photocopy and the printer. Don't spend too much money.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, we know most classrooms are teacher funded classrooms, yeah. and yeah. and it is, you know, I think I was lucky and you're you're probably, you're a lot younger than I am, but when I first started, you know, Pinterest wasn't around, there was no Instagram, so it was sort of me on my own. I, you know, sewed my own cushions just to make, you know, tart it up a little bit, but I feel like there's a lot of pressure for new grads now to keep up with the Joneses and, You know, does everyone have a $1,000 to spend at Kmart mm. to make their room look beautiful? Not everyone does, but uh-huh. I think a lot of people probably feel that pressure. But yeah. in saying that, I think what you said, you can make the learning environment really comfortable, really engaging using just some simple tricks. Yep.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So there's the first thing, our classroom. And uh, all, all the best to all the new teachers out there right now who are making their classroom look pretty. Uh, definitely. But
0: it, is, it is exciting. Yeah, it, it is. is.
1: Yeah. So definitely jump on Pinterest and Instagram for some ideas. Uh, the second thing is planning. Now, this is this is a big one uh, because when I was at uni, I was writing five page lesson plans and um, only one lesson at a time. I never really got experience in unit planning. What was your experience of planning when you first became a teacher?
0: Well, it's sort of through everything I'd learnt at uni out the door because I, like you, had to write these elaborate lesson plans for doing a five-minute observation you know three pages of children's background which you know it was bells back then the curriculum which which areas I target Mm. what pre-questioning I think it would probably be similar Mm. and then I get a job and it's like we're sitting there doing our planning and in the afternoon someone just says all right just write down craft and I'm like what what about you know what about prior learning what about students Inception, and i remember this yeah my mentor teacher said to me "Eh, eh, eh," like no 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 that's we don't we don't have time for this and it's and it's true i think we'd like to believe that we have all this time to do this rich planning and really nut it out but we also know that teaching it does not go to plan that we need a plan a b c d e you know how often have you have you actually you know if you're planning a lesson for your team and you might email them the structure of the lesson with some questions to ask. Here are some resources. Blah blah blah. You're all excited for it, and then the bell goes. You're about to begin. Four kids come in crying because there's been an incident mm-hmm. outside. So you have got to deal with that. And then the app that you've just downloaded. Well, the Wi-Fi is not working. So yeah. it's like, well, my amazing lesson is now yep. gone to there it you know where. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna to have to think of Plan W because mm. Plan ABC etc. Just didn't work. Yep. So I think exactly. I think we were taught to be too rigid in our yeah. planning and we need to be a lot more flexible.
1: How do you go with planning? Do you find that you do daily plans or weekly plans? Sure, so How I do, do a you weekly, approach it?
0: Yeah. Mm. So I do a weekly planner where everything would be outlined, but there's flexibility within that. And I would say, that I'm much more productive in the morning so I make sure I get to work about eight o'clock so I have about half an hour of socializing and make my two cups of tea yep, yep. <laughs> catch up on survivor and the bachelorette and yeah. then about half an hour of right here's my day here's what I need to get done this was what didn't work yesterday with that mass session I'm continuing on today so I need to make these changes mm-hmm. um, but I wouldn't necessarily make notes um, on my computer about that but I would mm-hmm. definitely have the time to have a think about it. Or, you know, in the car on the way home, mm-hmm. that's often a really good time to have a think about what, how the day went and the changes that you're going to have to make. Yeah. Or de- debriefing with a colleague at lunchtime yep. after school. But yep. definitely morning, morning person for the planning, for okay.
1: sure. Yeah, no, great. And it's great that you mentioned that you see what didn't work today or what didn't we get through, so how will I adapt tomorrow's lesson? And that goes back to that not being too rigid with our plan. So if, totally. if, if you're meant to teach this on Wednesday, but on Tuesday you don't get through x then don't try and teach y on
0: on wednesday i'm probably i'm I'm massive on reflective practice i think that's Mm. the only way you can improve if you think about what you did and really acknowledge early on that you're not perfect you'll never be perfect no but there are ways that you can get better and that's the best way to do it is just to think hey what did i do really well i did this 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 but Mm. what didn't work well and how will i fix it
1: yeah excellent (laughs) Very yeah. good. So, so far we've spoken about our classroom and our planning. The next point we want to touch on is students and yeah. uh, and trying to be as prepared for a graduate teacher with the students they're going to have in front of them. And we might touch on behaviour management here too. So, what are some oh. of the things that graduate teachers aren't totally prepared for when it comes to their students?
0: I think the biggest issue would be to balance that, the fine line between friend and teacher i think we're all so desperate when we first start that really starts to dissipate as you get older you don't care as much but at the start i think when you're thinking about your class the one thought you have is i want them to like me i want them to love me you know Mm. and and how do i go about doing that but we can really make a mistake by giving them too much too soon really not have a lot of boundaries Mm. and then all of a sudden you've sort of done yourself in because at the end of term one, you know, they're not really adapting to the structure of the class that well. You know, yeah. you're giving in to them, you know, complaining or saying, can we play a game now? Can we do this? And they're sort of yeah. running, running right. So it's a yeah. really tough lesson to learn. Someone told me once, Sally, don't smile till Easter. Yeah. And, <laughs> yep. and I thought that's a really, it's a, it's a good way to go about it in it a way. Is that you need to you need to show that side of you that is mm. that is quite you know firm mm. I've always told my kids and I tell this to teach. this is my teaching philosophy that you need to be firm fair and fun yeah um because it, you, you at the end of the day your job is to teach the kids it's not for them to to love you exactly I, I want my students when they leave me at the end of the year they might say she's not my favorite teacher but boy, I learned a lot. Yes. But I think by learning a lot, they respect you as a teacher and you become their favourite teacher because of that.
1: Definitely, definitely. And I like your firm, fair and fun because it's very hard to be fun in Term 3 and 4 if you haven't been firm in Term totally. 1 and 2. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've spoke about this on a previous episode about how I was at a table with a few graduate teachers and it was the end of our first year and we were saying that we started the year as the fun teacher but now we're the grumpy teacher. Because yeah, yeah. we didn't have those that firm sort of expectation in place. So now yeah. our classroom was we we're just constantly reeling them back in. So I like that firm, fair, fair and, fun. and fun. They go together very yeah. well.
0: Good. And tell the kids that. I've always said to the kids at the start of the year, I'm firm, fair, and fun. Mm. And I'm also I'm just a game to figure out. You just gotta learn how to play mm. the game. I don't mm. like it when your chair's not pushed in. So push the chair in. I'm happy. You know, all mm. the things, tell them, tell them how you expect them to behave because then they know you can't just expect six-year-olds to be mind readers they're not no. and at the same time i think going on what we were talking about before it's not wrong to want them to really love you and it's mm-hmm. okay in your first few years to make those mistakes and yep. to go all in and give them your heart and and that, that's how you learn so course, i'm not yeah. i'm yeah. not suggesting go in and just be cold face and right we are doing writing now no one talk you know yep. you don't want to be like that you need no. to build that
1: relationship exactly with them. Now, parents can be our greatest asset or they can be the element that causes us the most stress. So um, let's chat about when a graduate teacher walks into their first job, uh, what are some of the things to be aware of that they didn't necessarily learn at uni about uh, communicating with parents? Um,
0: I would say be wary of your email address, Mm. that if that goes out, that really seek help very quickly on how to compose emails how to interpret emails and think about how much you're giving giving back to certain parents if mm. that makes sense so i think some of them and good intentions their child is their world and you always yeah. need to remember that that they're advocating for their child but they can sometimes suck you dry with the amount that they're expecting from you. And if you're getting an email from a parent every day asking questions and you're spending 20 minutes to 40 minutes a day responding to these emails, that's a lot of your time mm. and it's not a good use of your time. So you sort of want to nip that in the bud. But it is really hard as a first year teacher because you want to impress. You you want them to be on your side. Yeah. So it's really, really easy to sort of fall into that that trap but yeah. hopefully you've been set up with a great mentor that's going yep. to sort of show you the way and show you that fine line of being approachable but also having boundaries because you, you need them in this day and age particularly when it seems like parents can contact us a lot more than mm. they used to be able to wow. and there's a lot more scrutiny on on your performance and yeah. what you're doing in the classroom than there has been in the
1: past. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I cringe when I think about my first week as a teacher. On the Friday afternoon, I sent out this massive email. I don't know what I was thinking. And <laughs> um, it had like what we learned this week and then what the focus for next week is going to be, um, how you can help your child with their homework. And here's a PDF of some photos of what we've done. And why did I do that? Because then the next week I had to do it as well. And then after term one, I went, yeah, nah, no more. No,
0: no, no, not doing that anymore. I know, but your heart's in the right place. I did that in my Mm. second year. I made a personalized DVD. I don't know if anyone knows what DVDs are anymore, Mm. but I made a personalized DVD of every child, like when they were doing reading, when all their photos and it took me hours upon hours. And do you know what? I sent them out and I never heard anything from anybody. And I didn't do it for the thanks, but I thought, do you really need to do that? Like, yeah, but yeah. you know, you know I, I understand that feeling so well, mm. but I also think with experience that that will go away a little bit and you'll be more confident in your own ability. Um, but at the start, it is really terrifying dealing mm. with parents. I remember that. thinking. Yeah. That, 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 you know, it depends on which school you're at. There's lots of different boundaries people face. I work at a school where there's, there's strong parent involvement, which is great, but it can yeah. also be quite difficult. But you might be at a school where there's not a lot of parental involvement and that's hard to sort of get them on board and and you want to be communicating with them, Mm. but you can't. Um, So, yeah, Yeah. I would would just say, have a chat to your mentor and other teachers around you to support you in that because every school will have a different policy with how they deal with parents, I Mm. guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think also look at them as your ally. I'd I'd say 99.9% are on your side. They want to help. They want to help their child. They're going to be happy to listen to you if you want to talk to them about something. So be open and honest, um, but just make sure you have support around you to help you do that.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and if a teacher in their first few weeks does get an email with a parent questioning something, what, yeah. what should a teacher do before they click send and start <gasps> well, typing?
0: First of all, I always because I am guilty of this. I read emails; the tone of emails completely wrong. I'll mm. have an email that's probably harmless, and I think, oh, they hate me. Yeah. Yeah. So find someone in your year level, your team, who has good perspective that might read it first for you. Let mm. someone else to unpack it. Um, probably, possibly, your mentor, teacher. But if it's if it's something that you think, you look, I'm just not sure about this. I would bring it up with your leadership team, either your AP or your principal, yeah. and get and hand it over to them because. Yeah you're not expected to be doing that at this stage, you know, Deal, and you don't want to get into an essay back and forth.
1: No, no. Um,
0: Yeah. And you'd rather, I think when you get those emails, the best thing you can do is say, you know, say they're upset about something. So can, you know, can hear, can tell that you're upset. Um, Would love to have a chat to you about it in person because Mm. when, People can sort of be keyboard warriors and get all their anger and aggression out through words. But when you see them face-to-face, it's often a different story. But again, have someone on the leadership team there with you to support you with that.
1: Definitely, yeah. Yeah, definitely. yeah. Having someone there at the meeting with you um, is very useful. I did that a lot in my first few years. I had the deputy with me. If there was ever a meeting, it was great. It just really helped me.
0: Oh, for sure. Or, you know, if you've got a joint teacher office or joint classroom, leave the door open so the other teacher can hear what's happening. Mm. And then we have a little, this is a little trick that you'll learn. If you've got someone in that you know is going to spend an hour of your time, someone will will call our office and then the other teacher will come in and go, oh, Sally, you've got a phone call. Um, So you can go, oh, sorry, I've got to wrap this up i've
1: got a phone call we actually have a similar thing that we do yeah um yeah we walk in and go oh you're late for that meeting
0: yeah we've um, got that it meeting works. it's five minutes sorry yep. to interrupt yeah, you have to. That. You've got to wrap it them up.
1: yeah because some parents yeah. they just love chatting and yeah the meeting could go forever
0: oh boy yeah mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and the last point to talk about today is an interesting point and that's about our colleagues because we mm. don't teach alone we're not in silos okay. by ourselves we're in a organization filled with other colleagues so uh what are some of the tips for uh, approaching that that we don't necessarily learn at uni
0: well I think uni tried to do that with group assignments and we all know I don't know anyone that goes I loved group assignments I loved catching up with people that lived three hours away from me and tried to teed in with all of our part-time work and someone ended up doing the whole thing because it was just too hard Mm -hmm. so I think a lot of people are scarred from that experience to be honest with others but I think we're not probably told how important it's going to be to have a collaborative approach to your teaching Um, that you, it, it would not be common. I wouldn't think in this day and age, just to be in a standalone classroom by yourself in charge of all your own planning, that things are done very, very differently right now. So my advice would be that I would go in and sort of have a sort of a sit back sort of attitude, just see how everything sort of evolves in your team to know your team you know Mm. suggest going out for lunch these people will end up being your family they really will be uh first impressions don't last you know you might think of someone oh i'm not sure about them but you know in six weeks time they're your new bestie and i think your colleagues i always thought the students were going to be the joy of my job and they are but I, my colleagues are, they're outstanding people and more people that come into our school that I get to know, I'm just blown away by the expertise, by their care, care, compassion. So I would really just have a really open mind for everybody. Everyone has their own skill set. Get as much out of them as you can um and they're they are what are going to make you the best teacher not the kids it's going to be the teachers that you work with because you model everything off them Mm. so be be excited at the opportunity to have a lot of people around you and to be working collaboratively as opposed to thinking oh I just wanted to have my own class and do my own Mm. thing and that's how I was I really had that mindset but um it yeah it opened my mind
1: yeah yeah, no, Definitely. good. Yeah, and watching as well for me, I found just watching what other teachers did, even how they lined up their class after lunchtime or how they spoke to their kids as they left in the afternoon. You can learn so much from just watching your colleagues.
0: Totally. I remember yeah. in my first year, I used to have the door open. I taught prep and I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. And I used to leave the door open and I, we'd be teaching writing and I would just tell my kid, oh, just be quiet for a second. And I'd listen in on her and then go, okay, all right, that's what yeah. I have to do. Yep. Because yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I, I would have really struggled. So yeah. I, I don't think we can give that enough credit, the, the people that we work with that really um, shape us in who Definitely. we are. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And and the staff room as well can be a really fun place um, at lunchtime where just to go and if, if you don't have a duty, just sit down with other teachers and have some adult uh, conversation uh, yep. even just for 10 minutes because you with because yeah being with 10 year olds for the rest of the day can make you go yep. crazy so it's just good to have some adult totally. interaction
0: totally you could always be doing more with your teaching you could always correct that spelling book you could always be doing that at lunchtime but i think that's just such an important outlet go to the staff room make a cup of tea have a glass of water sit down Talk about the block and who went home or the f- basketball game that you're all watching mm-hmm. on, you know, your NBA live scores or whatever mm. and have that, have that time because yeah. the kids actually, we, we say that at my school a lot, the kids look at the behaviour and the relationships that our colleagues have with one another. Yes. And yep. We're a school that's known for, yeah, we're, we're a large school, 50, 50 teachers, but yeah. we're all like quite a big happy family. Mm. I mean, you know, like every family there's issues, but for the most mm. part it, it works like that. And I think the kids see that and it really helps shape the positive culture of the school. Yeah. So yeah. you need to, you're going to be someone that's preaching how to be kind, how to be inclusive, how to do all those things. So you need to do that yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that's actually really important. Yeah, we, we can't say to our students, be nice to those students around you if, uh, yeah. if, if the teachers are all screaming at each other behind their backs. Yeah. It's not a good, not a good look. No. Great. All right, so Sally, we've touched on your classroom, planning, students, mm-hmm. parents and colleagues. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot more other things that uh, graduate teachers aren't fully prepared for, but luckily you've got two resources to help them with that. So can you tell us a bit about your books that you've written
0: sure so i really felt the need to bridge the practical gap is how i'd sort of explain it that i, mm. I really felt when i finished uni i had a hex debt of 20 grand four years of my time and i felt like an imposter starting to be honest and i thought i wish for grads to starting out that they would just have something a little bit more some more concrete information on what the actual day-to-day teaching is like. I think we can talk about all the educational theories in the world and that's great and it, I'm not saying that we don't need to know that, we do as educators, but I think teaching is so much more than that. Teaching is the day-to-day relationships, it's behaviour management, it's working with colleagues, dealing with parents, it's all of that sort of stuff that we don't necessarily learn or we don't experience on placement. So my idea at this point has been to put those strategies and tips down um, into an ebook format. They take about an hour to read each, and I've got a few more sort of ticking over in my mind at the moment. Uh, but it's to, uh, it's aimed at beginning teachers, so teachers in their mm. first four years. But anyone, look, my husband's a teacher. He read mm. them and he was like, actually, he's like I I've learned a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, the goal is if I could, yeah, if someone reads and they get something out of it, amazing. Yeah, um, and would just really love love to help. I've mentored five graduates. I've really yeah. loved my role as a mentor teacher cool. um and yeah just to have been able to instead of you know in the first few weeks of teaching giving them information overload for them to have had like a little helpful handbook ready to go that they can draw on i think would be mm. really really helpful so mm. one of them is available for free at the moment you yeah. can get it on pay teachers or you yeah. can email me directly um, and then i've got another book behavior management as well that you can purchase on my website Fantastic. so it would be-
1: excellent so i'll put all of those links in the show notes to your teachers pay teachers to your website and to your instagram uh sally thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today it was
0: a pleasure i had so much fun thank
1: you no that's great lots of things people can take away and i'll write a summary of notes in the show notes but i particularly liked your firm fair and fun i've heard firm and fair but the fun element on the end i think those three go together very well so thank you for sharing that it to be fun Mm. kids deserve a fun teacher they do they do All right, well Sally all the best for the rest of your week and we'll talk again soon
0: thank you Bye. bye
1: and that brings us to the end of today's episode if you would like to check out one of Sally's books in particular the free one that won't be free for much longer the links are in the show notes below and on my social media so check it out there and wherever you are in your teaching journey I wish you all the best And please join us next week for episode number 20 of the Teacher's Guide podcast.